Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. If you're um, if you know about Lakeshore Church, y'all need to spread out a little bit. Some of y'all are pretty tied up on each other. You can, you can spread out. One of the things we do around here, I, you know, um, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I've been sort of nervous this weekend because uh, being a Georgia boy, Georgia played Ole Miss last night. My my worries didn't last. My, my worries didn't last long. Anyway, boo. I'll, I'll tell you a little more story about that in a second. Boo, sir. Hush. Okay, veterans' time's over. You can be seated. No. But um, one of the things that we're guilty of in our world is I think we put a lot of stock in stuff that at the end of it it doesn't amount to much. I think you ought to be a fan. I think you ought to celebrate stuff. But I don't think we have a better day than today. But we have those freedoms because men and women like these in front of us today were willing to pay the price if it came to that and whatever level they served. And I just think college football doesn't compare to these folks in front of us today. And I'd like for you to stand to your feet and let them know that. Thank you. You can be seated. And y'all can return to your seats. We still believe in patriotism here at, uh, at Lakeshore Church. Amen? Amen? Never thought I'd live in a day and age where patriotism is being debated. Okay. All right. Matthew chapter number 8, verses number 18 through 22. And we'll establish where we're going, all right? When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. A scribe approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Lord, another of his disciples said, First let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. You know my heart. My desire is for my words to be yours and my thoughts to be yours. Every one of us, starting with me, would walk in obedience to what we know the truth of this passage is about. I thank you, Lord, that when you seem uncaring and callous, that there's a strong and straight and strong, strange truth for each one of us here. Help us to live in it, and God will be careful to give you the praise, for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. As you're settling in, here's another strange one for sure, but also strong for us when we understand it and unpackage it. It was surely that way. It applies to each one of us here. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody would have some others. But when I think about this, and I don't know if there's a tougher saying, if there are tougher words that came out of Christ's mouth when he walked on this earth. I, I don't know if there's any. But here's a fellow. Undoubtedly, his dad was sick, maybe elderly, maybe facing death. Maybe he was on his deathbed. And Jesus replied to him, no, you can't go do that. You need to follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That's pretty tough now. Seeing the sappy side and the loving side and the healing side of Jesus and then hearing these words must have been strange. And they're even strange for you and me. I mean, you think about it. During this age, there were masses of people who were following the Lord. It says that, that there were so many people that he went across the water. But he said these folks cried out to him, and and one said that, and he talked about not having a place to lay his head, and did he understand to follow Christ, what that meant. And then another one called him Lord. So he was ready to follow him, but he he made this disclaimer, let me go bury my dad. 
And then Jesus said those infamous words to him. You know, I did some research and found out that there are really three different thoughts. So what was the, what was the boy saying? What was the man, the, the, the son saying to Jesus about his dad? And, and there are three different thoughts, and I want to give them to you quickly. It's this, that one was he could have been the oldest son, and he was fulfilling his duty to bury his father. That's one thought. Another one is he wanted to be near the father so he wouldn't miss out on his part of his inheritance. That if he followed Christ and then daddy died later on, he would miss out. And then the last one was something that I came to know in, uh, in Israel. When I was in Israel a few years back, we were up on the, the Mount of Olives and we were there and we came down to the Garden of Gethsemane and all of that on the eastern side of the city and the city walls. And our, we were getting on the bus and, the, and uh, his name was Edo, our, our uh, guide. He got on the microphone. He said, if you look up there at the cemetery, and it was the cemetery was all over the side of the hills, he said, they estimate there are a million people in that cemetery. Me being the great spiritual skeptic that I am, you know, I didn't have a surveying tool, but I looked up on the side of that hill, and I said, there's no way. It's not that big. I thought about Lakewood Cemetery. That's one of the bigger ones that you ever want to see, and it might have been a little bigger than that it, but it, it wasn't near, it, there's no way there was a million bodies in that place. It's not possible. Then he began to tell stories, and there was a lot of tombs. And he said, what happens in a tomb? And the reason they knew Jesus was in a tomb that had never been used before is what I'm fixing to tell you. But what they would do, and this is the third reason, that when somebody would die a year later, they would go back and extract their bones out, and they would put their bones almost in what like, would be like a shoebox for lack of a better word, whatever the longest bone in your body was, that's how big the box was, and all of your bones, skeletal bones, were put in that box. We have references to that in the Word of God. I won't go there. And so the third reason was he was supposed to stay around. He couldn't go follow the Lord because he had to be the one that took the bones of Daddy and put him in the box to put him in the family tomb. The reason I share that with you is there could be, he could have had ill, he could have had some, some sinful motives. He could have had righteous motives. I want to tell you today, I hope you see in the next few minutes, sometimes our motives, we need to realize if they're secular in nature, we need to make sure that we prioritize them. Obvious things that I need to share with you quickly is that, uh, and it just fits, is that I want you to understand spiritually that Jesus always initiates when it comes to our relationship with him. When somebody's lost, Revelation 3.20 says that he stands at the door and knocks. Jesus initiates. He walks up on the porch of our heart spiritually and knocks on the door. He initiates it. We don't get right with God on our timetable. We get right with God on his timetable. Amen? It says the ones that come to God, the, the, the Father draws them. And he, when he draws them, when he speaks to us, we're supposed to be obedient to that. And hear me with this. There's sometimes we play categorizing of sin. We have an altar here, and we give altar calls. If God's spoken to your heart and you need to get something right, but a lot of times we say, well, it's not that bad. It's just a little bit of an attitude I had towards somebody. You know, somebody cut me off in traffic, and I showed them the love of God, the one-finger love, one love of God. There's stuff like that, and we categorize our sin. But let me tell you something. If the God of the universe speaks to my heart about something, it must be pretty big. There's a thought. I'm the one that starts categorizing things. God's already revealed it to me. He expects me to get it right. And here's what Jesus is dealing with. He initiates, watch this, Revelation 3.20, Jesus is the one who invites. Hmm? He stands at the door and knocks. He's inviting. He wants to come in. But he's the one that initiates and invites. But sad to say, what happens a lot of times is as soon as God initiates 
and God invites us and, and he shows us what we need to do, you and I interrupt what God wants to do. Hey, we, we interrupt it. Lord, I want to follow you, but I want to go bury daddy first. Amen. God, I want to be what you want me to be, but I got a lot of stuff I want to do before I, I surrender to you. The sermon I preached a few months ago, I surrender almost. Huh? Uh, we, we'd be better to change the lyrics sometimes, wouldn't it? Instead of I surrender all, it's I surrender almost. And see, what happens is we're the one who interrupts what God wants to do in our life. Oftentimes, we got a but. <laughs> Lord, I'll follow you, but. This is going to be the deepest part of this sermon. You ready? A lot of times, our butt gets in the way, don't it? God deals with us, and we got a but. No, God wants our surrender. He wants our, our allegiance to him. This is what we need to know, okay? And uh, we got parade. we got things to do, but listen to this. This is what you need to know. The first thing is never put off the most important thing. I think it's a ploy of the enemy, but the enemy is happy as a lark when somebody puts two ahead of one. You know what's amazing about this situation is, is I wonder how many people are out there in eternity and didn't come to know the Lord, but they had ample opportunity to do so, but they put other things in front of the Lord. Just like a service today. It could very well be that we think beyond here and we think parade and we think the rest of the day and preacher, there'll come a day, there'll be this opportunity and that opportunity, but the word of God says today is the day of salvation. If you know what you need to do today and God initiates and God invites, please be obedient to him. I can't be any forthright with you than that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 says this. He says, for he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you and in the day of salvation I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. I'd simply do this not to offend, but just ask you a question. What are you waiting on? I can tell you my salvation story real quick. Like I had a great granddaddy when I was saved at seven. <laughs> I mean, I remember thinking, man, he's older than dirt. Great guy. He was an optometrist in Atlanta, done well in his life. Great guy to be around. His, my love for homemade banana pudding was his wife. I mean, I had great grandparents for several years of my life. I remember them well. Papa and Granny. But I remember thinking, the reason I came to the Lord is I thought, if he lives to be 100, what is 100 to eternity? And that's how God began to unlock the spiritual door of my life and show me that there's got to be more to this life than just living out this life. Amen? That's the reason I coined sayings like I'm assured for heaven as if I was already there. Because I've taken care of primary, you'll hear again, instead of living in the secondary. This life is secondary to what God has purposed for you and me is relationship with Jesus Christ. Today is that day. Secondly, what we need to know is never offer Jesus other options. Oh, man. He's fixing to plow deep, isn't he? Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, how about that? Lord, I want to follow you, but let me go bury my daddy. But we can't be too hard on him because we do the same thing. We come up with other options. Lord, I, I, I want to follow you. I want to get right. I want to be what you want me to be. But, Lord, you know I love all these things, too. We don't ever tell that to the Lord because we know what God will do with them. Hmm, think about it. It's the reason I talk about things like the Lordship of Christ. How many times I've heard probably the worst words I've ever heard is when somebody will say, I want to, but they don't. Huh? Had a man tell me one time in a church service, if you'd have just called my name, I'd have come to that altar. And I thought, why are you waiting for me to call your name? Undoubtedly, God was already calling your name. You didn't need me to call your name. And that's what I'm saying. Why not? Why in the world would I offer Jesus other options? God, I'll get right. I want to get right with you, but it's not today. Well, let me tell you something. If he's speaking to you today, today's pretty important because we don't know about tomorrow. I'm not here to scare you. One more thing. What we need to know is never put secondary things ahead of primary. You know, it doesn't say anything 
He doesn't allude to the fact at all, and, and you can believe it was, but I don't think he was having a problem with the man. I think, and I want to believe he was upstanding. I want to believe he loved his dad. He wanted to be there. He wanted to do the things that he was responsible for. He was hurting maybe because his dad was passing away. I'm not here to say he was this gross person out there. But Jesus comes along, and our life is the same. The things sometimes that we put in front of the Lord, they're not bad things. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not things that you look at and say we're some immoral behavior in our life. We have some moral behavior in our life, not all the time. But sometimes good things get in the way. Sometimes we get out of balance. Hmm. You're going to see this more in a few minutes, but we need to understand this. I have some great relationships in my life. I do. Follow along with me now. I love my bride. Hmm. If she leaves me, I'm packing a bag and going with her. You follow me? I love my kids most of the time. I do. Hmm. I love you guys. Most of you. You follow me? We've had a great day. Amen? Been good to be in God's house. It doesn't feel like you're at the dentist or the root canal or nothing. See, it's a good day. Been a good day to be in God's house. But listen to me carefully. Every relationship in this room should be secondary to our primary relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't save me. You can't take me to heaven. You can't change my life. You can't make me better. But God can. That's good stuff right there. It is. And many times people's lives are not fulfilled because they are trying to fill the primary with secondary things. Solomon. Bill Gates couldn't hold a light to him. All those other social media guys at Facebook and all them other guys. None of them. All the money in that they got. No, you come up with the ones. They couldn't hold a light to how much Solomon was worth. He could buy them before breakfast if he was current in this world. You hear me? His wealth was, un, it was unfathomable how much wealth he had. But you know what he said? At the end of all of this, it's just vanity and vexation of spirit. All this stuff is secondary to the primary, which is a relationship with Almighty God. Never, God help me, never put secondary ahead of primary. Huh? My hope for a husband being the right kind of husband is Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of my heart. My hope, your hope as a parent to win and do the right things is Jesus sitting on the throne of our hearts. Our hope as a church is not to get caught up. Do I love the parade in a few minutes? You better bet your money. Would I love the nativity? Oh, yeah. Would I love all the things we do as a church? Oh, yeah. But never lose sight of the primary is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Good stuff. Oh, listen. He wasn't bad, but I believe he was, he was mixed up in his orders. I believe that's what Jesus is trying to teach us from this. Let the dead bury their own dead. We need to say this one more. We need to say this in here. I guess when you're dead, you're dead. Huh? I don't have time to unpack his blasphemy, but it, it, it preaches right here. When you go study out blasphemy, a lot of blasphemy is in, the, is in the context that the Holy Spirit, this day and age that we live in, there's not another time coming. Hmm. When they were in the Old Testament, Jesus was coming. When Jesus came, he said, I got to go because the Spirit of God's coming. But we live in that dispensation of grace today. There's not a fourth part to it. We are in the third part. There's no fourth part. We got to get it now because there's not another opportunity. So let the dead bury their own dead because it's dead and gone. You and I have an opportunity for life today. Can't say it any better. But I want to go a little deeper for you. Am I not deep enough yet?
Well, preacher, I think this preaching is sort of shallow. I'm going to go a little deeper because I got you here because we got a parade. And by the way, I told you not leaving. If you leave and don't participate in the parade, we're going to shoot your tires out. That's the. <laughs> we love people, but we don't like tires leaving. Here, let me go a little deeper. And I, I wrestled with some of these, one in particular. I didn't want to be a part of this, but one of those few times I can say, I know I'm supposed, supposed to say. <laughs> but I want to give you some things, just a little deeper, things we need to know. Number one is this, don't be guilty of putting the flesh ahead of the spirit. I want to write this down. You can take a picture of it in a minute. It'll be on Facebook, okay? The flesh is the enemy of God. I can say years now. I can say I'm pretty confident that every time in the Scripture that the word flesh is used, I've studied it out. I'm not an expert, but I have been fascinated for years about flesh versus spirit. I'm fascinated that when Jay operates in Jay and I don't give God his proper place in my life, in that moment I am operating in the flesh and I have become the enemy of God. That's fascinating. And it goes back to the sinful nature. It goes back to the garden, folks. Here's, here's the thought for next year. It's a Genesis issue. <laughs> when sin was born, each one of us have a sinful nature passed down to us from Adam. It talks about in this New Testament. And we fight that sinful nature every day. And a, and, and a synonym of the sinful nature is the flesh. Don't put the flesh ahead of spirit. You and I were birthed in sin, but it shouldn't be celebrated more than the spiritual. In the world, the, uh, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, he said, they're in the world, but not of it. Watch this now. In John chapter 17, verses 14 and 15, I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We need to get this, folks. Some decades ago in the church, it was about seeker-sensitive stuff, you know. We, we got to look the part and act part. Don't, don't look too strange. Don't look too different because when the world sees you, they'll be, oh, we don't want any of that. But sometime or another, over time, we ended up looking just like the world. And we act just like the world. We talk just like the world. We go to the same place the world goes. And we wonder why there's not a thirst. We wonder why there's no difference. And we wonder why there's no separation. It's because we put the flesh ahead of the Spirit. We almost substitute the flesh for the Spirit. And there's the prayer. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. I believe with everything about me, that separation cross still applies today. He said, come out from among them and be separate. He wants us to live in the spirit rather than live in the flesh. And there's many times I hear people say things like, that's just the way I am. But you know what? If you got the devil in you, maybe you need to get in a boiling thing of water. Maybe boil him out of you or something. Don't put flesh ahead of the spirit. Secondly, don't put death ahead of life. Ecclesiastes 7, 1 and 2. Watch this. It, it says, it talks about that. A day of death. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Huh? It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, since that is the end of all mankind, and the living should take it to heart. Huh? Somebody's born and we get, man, a little baby's born. We got, pink, we got pink if it's a girl and blue balloons on the mailbox and we're having all kind of stuff. Daddy's got a bigger cigar and he's puffing on it. Somebody dies and we mourn the day away. Huh. And we celebrate more in the birth than we do in death. See, I'll tell you something unique. We need to get this. Why is this so relevant for us today? It's because if we put things in the wrong priority and we put things in, we make primary things out of secondary things and vice versa, we're going to be mixed up at the end of these things. 
We should enjoy life. We should do the best we can. But let me tell you something. When the day comes and you hear, hmm, Billy Graham said it and D.L. Moody said it, said that there's going to come a day and it's going to be announced we're going to put it on one call that Brother Jay died. I hope you cry a little bit. But don't you be sad for me. No. Mm. Because a person's day of their death in Jesus Christ is better than the day of their birth. The junk we go through and the sin we deal with and the problems we endure. There's coming a day where my last breath will be the best day I've ever had in my life. Well, I don't understand it, so I'm scared to death. Brother Jay, I can't even imagine it. Well, take heart. I used to think Suzanne was going to have a great funeral for me. I don't think she's going to do it anymore. Cost too much. Abby Kate was over there. She went to MC for a while and then nursing school. And we went into the Cadaver Lab they have over there at MC. Cold place. There were people in bags. I said, <clears throat> I got over by the department chair and I said, How do people end up in here? He said, Oh, they sign off on it. I thought I caught myself looking over at Susanna. She was smiling. She's figured out no funeral, no cremation cost, no memorial service. I'll give his body to medical science. She did say when I died, she wanted me, my, she wanted my lips glued and stitched so I'd never say another word. You believe that? I got some land to say. Things we need to know. Number three, don't put today ahead of tomorrow. I don't think I've ever preached this before. Hebrews chapter number 11, verses 25 and 26. Look at this. And choose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Since he was looking ahead to the reward. <laughs> when that day comes, we need to be reminded, folks. Scripture says that sin lasts for a season. It's a great reminder we put so much stock in today. But what is today? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. For every today, we need to have a tomorrow. I want to tell you as a child of God, I don't care how deep a rut your, your wagon or your life is cutting. I don't care what you're going through today. If you know Jesus Christ, we've, let, we've read the last page and we win. Amen? We need to be reminded today that he hasn't brought us this far to let us down or let us go. But when we live in the temporal of today and the temporary of tomorrow, we can be down. We can get so down and out. We can lose all hope, but I want to remind you that my hope is built on Jesus Christ, and he's the God of today, but he's the God of tomorrow, and he's the same then as he is today. Let me give you two more. wish I had 15 more. These last two are the two that I wrestle with, especially the last one, but this one too, because I don't want to offend. But I do think we need balance today as a child of God in the house of God, and I do believe people live out of balance a lot in their life. Because this world deals them a bad deal. Or they go through things in their life and sometimes the scars and sometimes the weight and sometimes the issues, we get off track. Maybe that's my calling and my responsibility today is help us get in, on the right track and just in our mindset. But here it is, number four of the five. Don't put kin, kin ahead of the kingdom. I've studied two natures. I've studied two families. I've studied two worlds for this sermon. I love my bride. She's been really good to me the last week. I love my kids. It's true. They'll leave, but they're coming back. All of them real, live real close to me right now. I love my family. I love my extended family. But let me tell you something. They don't compare to the kingdom. 
Because in every relationship that I have here, as good as it is, it will end one day. Here's where I think the scripture comes in now. I'm trying to teach you something. Here's where I think the scripture that we're not going to be married over there. That's one of those passages Susanna really loves. But anyway, but it's not going to be any marrying and giving in marriage because it's going to be a, a greater relationship because it's about the kingdom, not kin. We're kin today, and God be fruitful and multiply because he wanted our race. He wanted humanity to, to expound. But there's not going to be any more expansion that I see in, in heaven. We're going to be what we are. But understand this, I can never be guilty as good as I have it in my life and others, even ones that are strained. I can never put kin above the kingdom. When I think about this story, I think Jesus would want us to know, just like this man, never be guilty of putting your relationships with people above your relationship with me. See, when my relationship with Jesus is what it needs to be, my relationship with Suzanne is better. I've already said it. I mean, my relationship with Jesus is what it needs to be, and he sits on the throne of my heart. My relationship with my kids are better. My relationship with Jesus, when it's what it needs to be, my relationship with you is better. Don't we need to hear this, church? Don't we need to look around the church and go, okay, God, I need more of you. I need the kingdom so that I can deal with the kin of my life. Wow. I got one more. Then I'm done. And this one hurts. I've thought about some of you folks. I thought about my own life. Please receive this. I'm not out to get anybody. Please don't put the cemetery ahead of the celestial. Wasn't that what Jesus was saying? You're all about burying dead folks? Wait, 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 that's my daddy. Forgive me, he's still dead. And see, we need a theology lesson. <laughs> the reason I can get happy today, listen to me. Something happens to me and I'm, I'm cutting up, but I'm also serious. I don't know what Susanna do to me. I think she's going to take the path of least financial resistance. The reason people have come to me by the dozens through the years now and said, Brother Jay, tell me something about cremation. I got a spouse. I got a child. I got a parent that says when they die, a grandparent, they want to be cremated. What about that? That's, I've never been there. I don't know about that. Let me be honest with you. I can create a list about this long of people that can't come to church because the last thing they remember about a sanctuary is somebody was laying right there in a box. Where I pastored in Georgia was a small county. They, the funeral home business there, they didn't even have a chapel. The chapel wasn't even as big as this platform. So every funeral was at the church, and we held a bunch of them. And I have some horrible stories I can tell you about people that their child, something happened to them, or a spouse, or, or a parent, something happened to them, and the, and the enemy used it. And the enemy keeps that death in front of them instead of the life of Jesus Christ. If I pass away and Suzanne does put me somewhere, you don't have to come see me. Huh? You don't have to come see me because I'm not there. Huh? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now listen, if you do that, that's fine. I'm not out to get anybody. But it's just a tentative clay. It's just this temporary thing. But the spirit will live forever. Someone said, well, what if they reject Christ? They're still going to live forever. You don't want to preach another sermon on that. Our spirit and souls live forever. You will never die. But this old flesh... It's going to go back to the ground from which it was created. And the reason I don't have a problem with crema create cremation is this. If God can create everything from nothing, he can call back every atom and molecule when he wants to put the bodies back together for judgment, if that's the way it's going to happen. That's a pretty large task. Well, I think we're standing on a pretty large task, if you ask me. But he was able to do that. He's able to do whatever he desires to do. Mm, this is his nature. But don't get caught up. 
But chew on those. Because many a person has gotten derailed in their spiritual life. The enemy's had a heyday because they substitute the terminal for the eternal. The people that I have lost in this life in Jesus Christ, I know where they are. Uh, It's not goodbye. It's I'll see you in the morning. Amen.